0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the 7-Figure Flipping Podcast. This is Bill Allen. I don't know about you, but I am still on a massive high from Flip Hacking Live, and I got to take a week vacation to Disney with my family afterwards, and uh, we're getting after it again this week um, right after that. So I am fueled up, fired up, ready to go, coming out of the gate swinging, and I can't wait for this, uh, this next quarter that we're jumping into to, uh, uh, to really kind of finish 2020 strong. And I hope that you guys feel the same way. For those of you that attended Flip Hacking Live, I know that you do, Um, We left there just fired up and hopefully about two weeks later, you're still feeling that. Um, And if not, hopefully today's presentation helps you. I wanted to do um, another presentation from Flip Hacking Live. This is my friend, Terry Berger, talking about hiring, training, onboarding people. Uh, I just spent the week with him and we're getting ready to hire a marketing director for Seven Figure Flipping and there's nobody better In my mind, that could help me hire somebody at a very high level for the company at the executive type level um, than him. And no better person to train you guys on how to be better at hiring and onboarding people. So, hopefully, you're still fired up. If you're not, go back to that place. Like, don't forget all those things that we did over those three days. Um, Replay those stories, look at your notes, do all that stuff get fired up, get refueled. We need that motivation every single day. So here's another dose of it from Mr. Terry Berger. My name is Bill Allen, and I'm the leader of a group of elite house flippers and wholesalers called Seven Figure Flipping. We don't brag or show off our success, but instead let integrity and stewardship be our guide. We are dedicated to helping people unlock the freedom they desperately need. If you ask other real estate investors, they will say to keep your secrets quiet. But we believe in abundance, not scarcity. And that's why we are the elite. We are Seven Figure Flipping, and this podcast is our playbook.
1: I don't like to hear anybody talk unless I know their story. So some of you know my story, but I'm gonna give it to you, right? I need to grab this clicker right here and let me give you my life in pictures, okay? My life in pictures. I'm a classically trained musician, trumpet player. Any trumpet players in the room? Brass players, whatever. I want to be in the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. I want to do all that kind of stuff. But instead, that next picture there is me. That's not really me. That's Mr. Holland's opus, a cut from the movie. But I was a middle school band and orchestra teacher for nine years, got to impact and improve the lives of teenagers uh, that I got to impact and I loved that job and t- actually today no matter what job I've ever had that was my favorite I didn't make any money but that was my favorite job then I married the girl of my dreams and we like made babies and that was a lot of fun right making babies is a lot of fun and then um, uh, I got into real estate because my world started to feel like Groundhog Day so when I'm teaching school like you teach them and then they leave to go to high school, and then I got all these sixth grade clarinet players coming in and sounded like a bunch of chickens squawking, right? So then I was done with that. Anybody see the movie Groundhog Day? That's exactly what that felt like, yeah, anybody? Okay, so I got into residential real estate. Residential real estate, I sold over a thousand houses, probably walked 15,000 homes. I might be the only person here that can say that. Um, and then a life-changing event happened. You see the cute little guy right there in the blue shirt? That's my son. This is, he's 18 now, or almost 18, and uh, something happened. As a retail real estate agent, I was running around with my hair on fire, like an .ER. doctor, it was crazy, but ER. doctors get days off, and uh, people are selling real estate and are really good at it, typically don't. So my parents. My parents, they just dropped me off at stuff. Anybody have any parents like that? They just dropped me off at stuff. And I put a stake in the ground when I was young and I said, I'm gonna be there for my kids. I'm never gonna miss their events. I'm always gonna be at their games, their uh, their concerts, whatever it was. And that picture right there, I missed his first soccer goal. I've been at everything. I've been at everything. And my wife called me and said, Colin just scored his first goal. And, Wow, that's really impactful because I'm getting a little emotional. Um, and, and I said, never again. I was in the car and uh, I still remember the feeling and I was so angry that I let work uh, trump my family. And look, I get it, I get it. Sometimes you gotta do that, right? Like you gotta provide, but I was able to provide. I could have been at that game. And the worst case, worst thing ever, the guy that I was working with was a jackass. He was the worst client ever, and I ended up firing him. I put my stake in the ground. I said, there has to be a better way, and that's that last picture. I got into real estate investing, and I've been doing it for about five years full time, and I have a story similar to some of you, and some of you are going through the story that I went through, right? So, why I'm qualified to talk about this. You're all here because there's some sort of entrepreneurial bug in you. You wouldn't have gotten a ticket if that wasn't the case. So if you're gonna be an entrepreneur, you need to understand how hiring works, okay? So here's why I'm qualified to talk about this. I hired a project manager and we lost $175,000 in potential income, plus what we paid him, plus my time to train him. Just a couple of weeks ago, our transaction coordinator committed credit card fraud and stole $11,000 from us. And then I've had like two salespeople fail. Epic failure. Now you might say, you're not qualified at all, Terry, to talk about hiring. You're not. Well, what if I could do this? What if I could save you? What if I could save you from making those same mistakes? Like if there's 10 of you in here right now that I could help Help solve your problems so you don't make the same mistakes I did. There's a couple million bucks, right? 10 times 175,000, 1.75 million. That 1.75 million could go for good instead of waste, right? What if I could help you and I could save you? Let's talk about the real cost, though, of this bad hire. Let's take our $175,000 project manager, Miss. There were five projects. We bought them all really, really well. I hired this guy. He didn't know what he was doing. At the end of the day, I have to look in the mirror and I own it, but as I own things, I analyze things. Here's the real cost. I know that $4,000 in marketing can buy me a house. I know that we lost $175,000 in revenue from that guy due to hiring the wrong person. That's 44 houses I could not buy. And if I multiply that times $20,000 in gross profit, just call it gross profit, That's $880,000 in lost growth. And forget about me for a minute. Forget about me, forget about my business, forget about everything. That's $880,000 that I could have used for good. You see how cost of bad hires, why you need to listen to this talk today. Everybody got it? We're on the same page, raise your hand. Let's hit some emojis, because I'm not seeing any emojis back there. All right, all right, let's go. I have to give an assist to this guy right here, Nate Johnson. I don't know if you're on the call or if you're listening or if you're here. Uh, He runs Blackjack Real Estate, CEO of Blackjack Real Estate. Bill hired him. Nate dove deep into this topic for me about a year and a half ago. And I was so passionate about it, I went a little bit deeper. So, Nate, I owe you a debt of gratitude for this. And thank you, Bill Allen, for hiring him so he could influence me. All right, let's talk about it right now. Write this down, whothebook.com. This is where we're getting our stuff from today. This is a great book. Jeffrey Smart and Randy Street wrote this book to help you guys hire. I'm just gonna cover some of its content. I'm gonna tell you the spin I put on it in my business, okay? Everything, everything you need to know is in this book. All right, when do you know that you need to hire somebody? When do you know? I'm gonna tell you right now, it's when this happens. When what you love to do is overtaken by what you hate to do. Say that to yourself really quick, just in your brain, mind if you want to, or even out loud. When, what you love to do is being overtaken by what you hate to do. You start this thing, you got this idea, you're gonna flip houses, you're gonna wholesale houses, all of a sudden you're getting a little traction, things are going good, right? And then the arrows start flying because you're getting out of your element. All right, so here's what I'm gonna tell you before you hire, there's three things you need to know about yourself. One, what are you building? It's important for you to know exactly what you're building. Entrepreneurial, because you're here, what kind of world would you want? Isn't that what John John Adrosic said last night? What kind of world do you want to build? And then you need to see yourself in the future. Now, I'm not saying you need to see yourself 10 years in the future, some of you got that down, but most of us don't, three, six, 12 months. Can you see yourself in the future? Because when you hire people, they wanna follow a vision. And then finally, you need to be like this gal right here. You need to stay in your genius zone it's really important that you live in your genius zone because when you live in your genius zone, you know how to hire. Does that make sense? So in my title, I said, in the right order every time. The right order every time is different for every single one of you in this room with me right now through these little screens, got it? It's not the same for everybody. There might be a similar order here and there, but you have to dig down deep and figure it out because what you like to do, if you love going on acquisitions, and you can crush 80% of your acquisitions appointment, why would you hire someone to to go do it? You train them, and they can only convert 20%, and you can convert 80%, and you like it. Does that make sense? And in your business, you'll go through these transitions where you'll love different things. So let's talk about three different personality types of hiring, ready? How many people go to the dentist every six months? Raise your hand, or let me see some uh, paddles or something. Every six months, oh yeah, you guys are proactive. You go in there. You let them work on your teeth. Oh, we found something or a cavity or whatever. How many of you don't go every six months, but like you want to go every six months, but it just doesn't happen? Raise your hand if if you care to admit it. Yeah, we're all friends here. It's all good, right? You're reactive. You folks are reactive, which means, ooh, something hurts a little bit. Ah, I should go get this checked out. And you do. And then how many people have ever experienced something like this? You don't go, you don't go, you don't go, you don't go, all of a sudden you wake up with an insane toothache, right? And you look like this dude here, right? That's called panic. That's called panic. And a lot of us hire in panic mode. Panic mode is the absolute worst place you can be. Why? Because. You're freaked out. You have no time. You're running around like an ER doctor with his hair on fire, right? And you have no time to do anything. You can't train them. You can't hire them. You can't look at resumes. You can't do any of that stuff. Why? Because you don't have any more time. So I will tell you guys, you always need to be leveling up to the next level. So if you're currently in panic mode, you got to free up some time. You just have to do it. And then you need to get up to reactive mode. And once you're in reactive mode for a little bit, your goal is to get up there to be the proactive person where you can see your business out there. You know you're going to the dentist in six months. What do I need to do to prepare? Okay? I need to floss a little more. I need to make sure I brush twice a day. Whatever it is in your, your job world, that's what you need to think about. Okay? Panic mode. Hey, uh, oof, babe, I'm thinking about hiring your mom because you know she used to do this kind of thing. And uh, we really need help. And so you hire your mother-in-law. Is that a good idea? No. There's no, oh, some fire. yeah, somebody put some fire emojis up there. Okay, so, or you hire your best friend's wife or husband or whatever, right? Because they used to do this thing. Look, relationship hiring is a bad deal, particularly when you're in panic mode. Let's talk about writing a job description. I got a lot of stuff to cover here, guys. So we're gonna write a job description now, you ready? So when you write a job description, you're a mom and pop company, Like We can't compete with Fortune 500 companies, right? Have you ever read a Fortune 500 company job ad? It's terrible. It's terrible. Just go to Indeed and look around a little bit. What you wanna do is you wanna make a job description that makes people read it and look like this. Isn't she cute? Like she's so excited. Everybody loves that picture, right? So what does that mean? What does a job description look like for you? Well, how about this one right here? Everybody loves those HGTV shows about flipping houses, right? Well, what's more fun than watching those shows? That's right working for a company that does exactly what they do on TV, except we're way more fun and we don't have a TV show. That's called a hook. If you're gonna convince somebody to leave their corporate job and come work for some panic-stricken hiring person because you got so much going on, you need a hook. So that you need a hook, you need a story, and you need an offer. So there's your hook, I just gave you the hook. I wanna see all those on Indeed. We've used this hook so many times, we get people instantly interested in what we're doing because of that hook, okay? Is that helpful, yeah? Great, let's move into job services. What do you use then? Like, if you, okay, I've got my job description, I've got my hook, my story, my offer, I did all that stuff, what are you, where, where do I put it out at? Let me, show, let me try to keep you organized here, okay? So we use Indeed. Indeed has an entrepreneurial dashboard, that's completely free, which is great. And everything stays in Indeed. So remember the old days, if you ever hired anybody, you get a ton of emails every day, clogging up your inbox, not with Indeed. All I do is every couple of days I roll in there, I see who's there, I message them if I'm interested, or uh, I message them to kind of take a survey or whatever, and everything just stays nice and tidy in there. That is a Nate Johnson hack right there, and that's changed my life. And the next one, is uh, WiseHire. Anybody ever use WiseHire? WiseHire is kind of cool. It's kind of set up like a, I guess, a Trello board where you can you can move people around based on, you see how I have it set up here, people that applied, then qualified, then I move them over to maybe, and then interviewing and then building the bench for the future. That's how I have that set up. Uh, WiseHire is a subscription-based model. I think it's around a hundred bucks a month, and uh, you can Turn it on and off. If you use it for three months, you turn it off. They keep everything in there for you. And then if you go to hire somebody else, they turn it back on and all your stuff is still there, which is a pretty cool setup. You know, Most people just shut your stuff down and you don't get your data. WiseHire doesn't hamstring you like that, but it is a subscription-based service. It does come with a free disk profile. So if people apply, you can get a disk profile. And let's talk a little bit about your candidates then as they come in. You're gonna have to do some sort of uh, filtering of your candidates. And how do you do that? Well, there's an advanced version and there's a basic version. Let's talk about the basic version for a second. How many people have heard of a disk test? Raise your hand. Yeah, got it, great. Okay, that's a great free version, right? You can get it at Tony Robbins website and lots of other places for free. And uh, the disk is great. You can make people send you a disk and that helps filter things out. So let's say you're gonna hire an admin That's your job job description. You've done such a great job. You have 200 resumes because work from home position. Now pre-COVID, work from home, that was valuable, right? Lots of people would search for it. Now everybody works from home. So I'm assuming you'll get a ton more resumes than you would have before. So let's say you get 200 resumes. How are you gonna narrow those resumes down? Oh, I'm gonna look at 200 resumes. No, no, you're not. Promise me you'll never look at 200 resumes. The game plan is you want to have them do a disk profile. That's gonna filter out some. What if only 50% do a disk? That means 50% of the people are actually interested in my job because they actually did what I asked them to do in the job description ad, right? So then after that, what are you gonna do? Guys, still have 100. I don't wanna look at 100. Little trick that's not in my slides here. We made people do a YouTube video, work from home. Hey, uh, it's really important that we understand what kind of workspace you're using. So if you could just take your phone and just Introduce yourself on the phone and then show me your workspace. Out of those 100, that narrowed it down to 20. Do you think those 20 wanted my job and wanted to work for us? Yeah, it was great, right? You didn't have to do anything to narrow it from 200 down to 20. So now I take my 20 and now I'm starting to look at things a little bit differently. Okay. Now, if you. If, if you are doing big business, and I wanna say big business, if you got 20 flips a year going, more or more, and you're gonna hire two or more people, we use now, we use a tool called Culture Index. Culture Index is basically, uh, I don't wanna say it's a disc profile on steroids, because it's not, it's a supercharged, amped up way for me to get in and see what, how somebody's hardwired. Does that make sense? So I can see, like, I see these dots right here. You see that, like, uh, this is kind of like Bill Allen's profile. But you see that red dot. That red dot tells me that that guy is more hard-charging, entrepreneurial, uh, autonomous, independent, going for it than 98% of the people in the world. He's in the top two percent. That's what that tells me. And I can look and I can read all four of those dots like that. And so all of a sudden, now I get 200 applicants. If you're, if you're doing a business that you can afford this type of tool, I get 200 applicants, I don't even look at a resume, I only look at dots. I don't even know their names, I just know their dots. And then all of a sudden I'm pulling down the dots that I want as opposed to going through a bunch of resumes. Saves hundreds of hours every single year. Okay, let's talk about screening interviews. This is directly from the Who book. The screening interview, screening is two to 20 minutes, depending on how well it goes. It's designed to save you time, but it's also designed to do this, right? To build connection and figure out what's in common. No, no, that's not what it's for at all. The screening interview is to make your people look like this right here. You wanna make everybody look exactly the same, why? Why do you wanna make everybody look the same? Well, because we are wired up to create connections, right? So I know, that, uh, oh, there's Elena Kahn, hey Elena. So I know when I see Elena right now, we are in an accountability group together. I see Elena, I have a connection with her. Group two, group two, right? Yeah, there you go, group two. So I know I've got this connection. When we interview people that we don't know, we're trying to build these little connection points. I remember talking to a guy, he was a semi-pro golfer. Well, my son played competitive golf. Guess what I did? I talked about golf for 30 minutes, had no idea what this guy did, but I liked him and all of a sudden now I'm swayed in his direction because I have this connection with him and I don't want you to have connections with anybody. You want to build a connection after you hire a qualified candidate? That's what you do. You don't build connections with them. So screening here is is very cool. It's like this, okay? Four questions. Number one, you guys writing this down? What are your career goals? That's it. What are your career goals? Number two, what are you really good at professionally? I like to say it like this. What is your occupational superpower? That's a Terry Bergerism right there. That's not in the book, okay? So what is your occupational superpower? Everybody has one or two, what is yours? And then three, we here at Nice Guys Buying Houses, like we want incredible culture. We don't want people to do what they're not good at. What are you really not good at or don't care to do? Okay, and then finally, number four, last five bosses. Last five bosses, rate their performance. W- what would they rate your performance one to 10 and why? So who are your last five bosses? Well, my, my last, who was your last boss? My last boss was Jim Smith. Jim, how do you spell Jim? J-I-M, okay, how about Smith? S-M-Y-T-H, Y, like Y, yeah, Y-T-H, okay, great. Just wanna make sure so when I know who to ask for, I know who, who to ask for, right? What does that do in your candidate's mind? It places a little seed in there that says they are gonna call. They're gonna call my boss. Um, if they're interested in me, right? And that's what you want. And you go back that way. Now, what's cool about this is it can take two minutes. If you get to number one, what are your career goals? And they're like, I don't have any. You want to hire them? No, thank you so much for calling. We'll let you know if there's any further interest. Yeah? So, and then if you like what they say in number one, you move to number two. If you don't like what they say in number two, why are you wasting your time? You cut it off right there. But if you like what they say in number two, then move it to number three and number four. You see how that works? How many people think that'll save you a bunch of time? Yeah, time is money, right? And money means that you can go out and do good for people, right? Or spend more time with your family. Okay, let's talk about the next step. You got all these candidates coming in, you screened, you narrowed them down to the 20. Let's just say, say we're hiring an admin position. They all got these YouTube videos and you go through them and you're looking at resumes and you got them scanned out and you do these screening interviews. And then all of a sudden now you're down to three or four candidates. Now that is when you do what's called the WHO interview. Okay, the WHO interview is designed to be 45 minutes to two and a half, three hours sometimes. If you're hiring someone to run your company, it better be two and a half, three hours of pfft, Better be more, right? If it's an admin person, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, depending, it can go longer than that. And the WHO interview from the book is gonna divide their world up into chapters. So like the book has chapters, your life has chapters. So let's talk about chapters one and two. This is the most powerful part of the whole thing. Chapter one. Normally I would do, when i give this talk, I'd do like a live thing. We don't, I got 10 minutes left. I don't have a lot of time to do the live thing, but almost every single time I can make people cry with this one question. Who were your key influences in your early years? You heard Kevin Brown talk about it. You heard John talk about it last night. Who were your key influences in your early years? And you live there for a minute and you let them talk. And you stay there as long as possible. My grandfather was the greatest influence in my early years. Oh, really? Can you tell me more about that? And they start telling you. Well, what, what made him like that? Like why, and what made him make you like that? What did he do that he was your influencer? Right? You think you're learning a, a ton about how these people are hardwired up? Absolutely. Okay. Chapter two, is what I call the being known chapter. What were you known for in middle school? I start there because middle school's so awkward, you know? What were you known for in middle school? Uh, I hung out and smoked cigarettes in the back of the school during middle school, to be honest with you. Okay. That doesn't mean I'm not going to hire them because they smoked cigarettes in the back of the school, right? That's, that's, that's okay. Okay, well, great. Uh, tell me more about that. I just ran with the wrong crowd. You know, there's really no excuse for it. But uh, when I hit ninth grade, though, I decided to try out for the football team. And uh, I knew I had to get away from those friends, and I did, and it was the greatest thing, greatest feeling in the world getting away from, away from those people. But um, but then, so tell me what happened in football. Did you make the team? Oh, yeah, I made the team. and uh, And I was like an all-state running back as a freshman. Wait a minute. What made you go from smoking cigarettes just a year earlier with all your burnout friends, right, to you're like the... I'll stay tailback and then let them tell you that story, right? Hook story offer. We're just reversing it. Does that make sense to everybody? Raise your hand if it does. Yeah, okay. All right, more questions about being known. What were some of your biggest highlights and lowlights during your education years? And they might say, well, what do you mean? What about high school? Did you win any awards in high school? Yeah, I was valedictorian. No big deal, right? (laughs) I'm just smart. Okay, all right. And then they give you all this stuff. And then you use these little curiosity questions that you can find in the book to kind of go deeper with it, right? I mean, even today, now Bill talks about me my interviewing skills. Even today, I'll take my dual screens and I'll have my, my curiosity questions. I got my questions for the Who interview, which I'm giving you right here. And then I have other resources right there because I need them as cheat sheets. I can't just pull this stuff off. Okay, so then you find out what they were known for in high school, college, graduate school, whatever, and then you're going to break it down into the next chapter. Chapter three, occupational chapters, and you ask these same questions every single time. Number one, what were you hired to do? So I worked for Krispy Kreme Donuts. What were you hired to do? I was hired to make donuts. What were your priorities? Making donuts. What did you accomplish and how? Well, I made donuts and I- I had to put them in the fryer, okay? Now, can you make that interesting? Yeah, you can, if you have fun with it, you can. If you try to figure it out and ask the right curiosity questions. Who was on your team? Well, this guy, this person, this person, this person. Great, how are the relationships on your team? How are those relationships? You know, everybody got along pretty well except this one guy, Jimmy. Well, tell me more about Jimmy. And then they start going out with Jimmy. How did you handle your relationship with Jimmy? I hated the guy, I hauled off and punched him. Okay, that ends the Who interview, you're done, right? You're done, thank you so much, it's time to move on. But normally that doesn't happen, but that's what the Who interview is designed to figure out, right? Sometimes it does happen. Who is your primary boss's name? How would your boss rate your performance? That should match the screening interview, right? You ask it again to make sure they were telling the what? The truth. Strengths your boss might, boss might mention when I talk to him. And then finally, what, what are some weaknesses your boss might mention? And what were your reasons for leaving? You ask that about every single job. So that might seem boring and monotonous, but it's, it's not. It's designed for you to get inside their head and figure out how they're going to perform for you. Because that is the only thing that matters right now. And it's also to do one more thing, one more thing. It's designed to allow you to get into their head. Let me tell you about a story. So we were looking for a chief operations officer for our company and I had it narrowed down, oh, I think I had it narrowed down to like four or five people. And so I, I did the WHO interview on those four or five people. What, there were two candidates left. One was a woman uh, who was a uh, chief operations officer at a active adult community in Atlanta. And uh, she was awesome. And then we had another guy who was uh, not in the real estate industry at all. So here's how this went down. I spent two hours and 45 minutes at a coffee shop with this gal uh, that's the COO. I'm like, she's it. In my head, she's it. And we get to the final question, right? And the final question, the final question is this, what are your future goals? So she tells me that and then I ask it this way. It's a little different than the Who book. If you could do anything, if you could do anything, what is it that you would do? And then you wait for an answer. Now, why do you wait for the answer? You have basically been a bartender for two and a half hours. Because the more people talk to you, what happens? More people talk to you, what happens? The more connected they become to you. The more you talk to someone else, the more you become connected to them. So if you're doing your job in this interview process, you're not hardly talking at all, you're just asking questions and letting them talk to you. When they get to that last question, if you could do anything, what what would you wanna do? There's only one answer to that question. Does anybody know what it is? I could think of nothing I would rather do than work for you and your company. That is the answer you're looking for, right? Here's the answer she gave. She said, if I could do anything, Terry, honestly, man, I want to be the female voice in the new construction industry. I want to give talks at national conventions. I want to do all that stuff. And I was like, man, that sounds awesome. And it took me two hours and 45 minutes to get to that place with her to where she felt comfortable saying that to me you see how powerful that is? Like, it is so powerful if you do it correctly, okay? Now let's wrap it up. I've got just a couple of minutes left, so let's put a bow on this thing real quick. There are like five things, five commandments of hiring. I'm just gonna sum it up for you right here because my 30 minutes is not enough. Like, we could dive deep on this for three days, honestly. So you gotta write these down. You always gotta do background checks. We didn't do background checks before that girl stole that money from us. So now guess what? (laughs) Background checks are part of our hiring process. Starting last week, somebody who's good at hiring wasn't doing background checks. So please do background checks. Number two, hiring isn't enough. You have to train and be proactive. That's why I want you to get to that proactive level is because you have to train them. If you're running around in panic mode, you hire somebody and then you don't train them and then you wonder why they stink so bad because you didn't take the time necessary. Hiring and training are two completely different things. Number three, if your people are virtual, like in a lot of house flipping and wholesaling businesses they might be, we use a software called Hubstaff to track their productivity and hours. You need on the front end, you need to tell these people, I'm gonna track you what you do while you're on my time. That means I'm gonna take pictures of your screen so that you're accountable, right? We want our people to be accountable and we're gonna hold them accountable. Four, as you grow, document your processes and procedures and use them as training in the future because those people aren't gonna stay with you forever. And if you wanna get to the proactive level, you've got procedures and processes that you can use. And then finally, 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 and this is where the big $175,000 mistake happened for me that I showed you earlier. That guy, there were two candidates. I had a, a builder who had done hundreds of houses for invitation homes. And then I had a custom home builder who went out of business and then came back into it um, 10 years later and I was his shot, right? I gave him his shot. Now I own my bad decision, don't get me wrong. He was not very good, but I saw the future potential for this guy instead of what I needed right now. Only hire what you need right now. Never, ever, ever hire someone for future potential. They're gonna show you if they have potential for the future Once they do the job they're supposed to be doing. And then last thing, last thing, you always need to listen to your gut. How many people have ignored their guts? Raise your hand. I'm gonna raise both. Yeah, and leave them up, put it down, if it ever proved you wrong, right? My guts never proved me wrong. I've always, I ignore it. Why do we do that? Don't ignore your gut. Thank you, and you're hired. Appreciate you guys, thank you very much. All right.
0: That was some awesome stuff, Terry. Thank you so much for that, man. What a great presentation. I know that you guys got a ton out of it, and I hope you have pages and pages of notes. You need to listen to that over and over again. Take the tools, go to that website that he discussed there, that who. Book is unbelievable. We set up a scorecard for the marketing director. Everything that we're doing right now is based on that model. And we've hired some amazing people over the past few years um, based on that. So, hopefully, you guys enjoyed that, got a lot out of it. If you're just hiring your first person, um, great thing. If you're hiring your 50th, 100th, 200th person, um, all that stuff is valuable in there. So, uh, for those of you that, that didn't attend Flip Hacking Live and want to get the recordings, we are selling the recordings right now. And we're also donating some of the money from the recordings $200 from each sale to charity. So um, we'll be doing this for a couple more weeks, probably. And then we'll um, figure out what we're going to do for 2021, start talking about that. But we spent an entire day in Nashville as a team planning Flip Hacking Live 2021, the process, lessons learned from 2020, watch game films, all the takeaways, everything, an entire day together with Vanessa, myself, Mike Simmons, Terry Berger. We just sat down and kind of played back everything and how we can make this year better. So it's a year away and we're already planning for the next year. So um, you've got the opportunity to grab the recordings. If you went to the event, we have a special link for you um, on some discounted recordings in the Facebook group, the Flip Hacking Live 2020 Facebook group. And if you didn't attend the event, now's your chance. If you missed it, you can get every single recording. So every single speaker, we've never had the opportunity to do that in the past. And we've never actually opened up this opportunity right after Flip Hacking Live for people to grab it. Since it was virtual this year, we got all the recordings. We have everything. You can attend those three-day event anytime you want, and you'll have access for up to a year. So a year at least. So that's our that's our plan and our dedication to you guys. Um, you'll have access until next year Flip Hacking Live. So go grab the recording. You can do it at fliphackinglive.com. We'll put um, uh, in that landing page. We'll have a site there and opportunity for you to buy the recordings from this year, and we're gonna donate $200 to charity. We've already kind of upped our charitable donation um, because some people have already uh, grabbed the recordings and taken us up on that offer. So it's really cool that we can give 200 bucks um, per purchase back to Operation Underground Railroad. And hopefully we can beat that $156,000 that we raised last year. So, and if you are if you were at Flip Hacking Live and you donated, um, we are working on getting your shirts out to you right now. So, all right, go to flippackinglive.com, grab the recordings, and uh, we'll see you on the next podcast. Hope you guys have a great day, great week. And uh, hopefully you're still as motivated as you were when you left Flip Packing Live. If you're not, figure out how to do that. In One way is to grab the recordings and go back and watch some of those presentations that need to fire you up and fuel you up to go in and kill the rest of 2020 and be ready and prepared to move into 2021 to you know, hit your goals, hit your dreams, uh, that vision that you have and that crystal clear vision that you're working on and write your own story with that pen that's in your hand. I'll see you guys on the next one.